justice, then you come to the right place. So Susanna and I have been debating. <laughs> we have several things to say. First of all, we didn't name your case. Son of a bitch. Uh huh. You're going first. It's your case. But still, you haven't said the name. You're going first. What's your case? Red flags. Well, my case is called collateral. Okay, mm. mm-hmm. mm. let's move on. Wait, wait, wait. Hmm. Trying to go work out a fuckery this time. It's interesting. It's interesting. <laughs> but okay. So first of all, Susanna and I. One, we were debating what episode this was. Susanna <laughs> thought we started season four. I knew we were still on season three. It's just we've been delinquent. Okay. That leads us into our next point immediately, which is it's been a fat minute since you all have heard anything from us, and life kind of got in the way, but in a good way, you know. In a good way. Yeah. We got busy. I had to travel, went home to Trinidad, you know, things, things were happening. But um, we still have a Christmas episode, <laughs> which when, when you see this, you'll see right now we're up to episode nine and then you'll probably get episode 11 and the Christmas episode is going to come to you one day, like as a gift. Okay. <laughs> But it's there. It was recorded. Maybe we just close the season with the Christmas episode. And then have a new season? Yeah. But that's only 10 episodes. Not Oh, you mean this season? Yeah. Oh, that's a good idea. (laughs) Yeah, we could do that. Even if it's June. (laughs) <laughs> you'll exactly. just get the Christmas episode. Oh, like a so-called, but <laughs> it's missing so episode. weird. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's yeah, you might. Yeah, that's a good idea. I think that's a good idea. Um, so you're we welcome. Are, thank you for that. <laughs> we are reporting to you live from my living room because it is almost four a.m. and this is the latest episode we have ever recorded. We finished at this time. Yeah, we finished at four. We've never like started at this hour. But, you know, lots of things happened. <laughs> I won't get into it. But the point is, is that lots of things happened. And then Susanna and I, we have a tendency to chat before we start recording. So, and I was behind on my case. So, but we're here now and um, we're excited. I'm excited to be back. Yes. Yeah. You know, I felt like I wasn't doing something, you know, like there was something I was supposed to be doing and I wasn't mm-hmm. doing mm-hmm. it. There's something is missing. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Well, I'm definitely glad. If you if we do see a recording of this episode, you'll also get to see our boss sitting behind us in her executive chair, <laughs> which is on the back of my couch. <laughs> and she is sleeping because she loves nothing better than to be in the middle of something. Mm. And if this happened to work... We are going to forget that we ever struggle with setting up with anything. <laughs> because. And we, all three seasons that we have gone through. <laughs> oh, it's not that easy. Just turn on the computer and like turn on your camera, turn on your microphone and start recording. It's going to come. And we're going to be part of those people that sit. Turn on your camera. Yeah. Turn on your we microphone. We never understood those people. The ones who were like. Just go for it. And because we always had... <laughs> Where are we echo. going, bitch? <laughs> yeah, we had Echo. We had emergency services in the background. <laughs> we have the neighbors. And what I've just realized is that if this location works for us, we have now put ourselves far enough away from the door that, <laughs> that now the neighbor mm. may not be an issue. Mm-hmm. So, or the elevator. Or, or the, the elevator. Or the trash. Mm. Like, there's just so many things that will be solved by this little change. The only thing 
is our little sign will not be up. But we might make a way to fix that. We could always... A minute. Well, we make a way to fix it. To put our sign. We'll see. Yeah. It may be possible. We could put it up in the background. So if you see these videos, you know. But anyways. Welcome back. We're back. Happy New Year. You won't see Christmas episode until around the summer. When it's ready. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, typically we do like news, like you know, whatever is happening in the in the world. And there was a case. I Did you had. see that he got he got charged? The uh, Malbec, uh, what's his name? Oh, Baldwin. Uh He's not a comedian. He's an actor. Yeah, but he just happens to do... uh, I like like his role in Will and Grace. Yeah. I don't know. I I feel many types of ways about this. This, what was that they charge him with? It's like involuntary manslaughter. Yeah. I mean, if if the device was faulty, it's certainly not any fault of his. But somebody does have to be liable because this girl lost her life. This woman lost her life and, it, you know, her family lost her. But with that said, like, okay, if I was driving a car, this is what I think of, I was driving a car, which is a weapon. It is, right? A vehicle. Yeah. I'm driving a car. I'm there using a feature. Now, I'm fully, I'm there. But, like, something happens and maybe the wheel locks, you know? Mm-hmm. I'm not able to turn the wheel because now this machine has taken over. And God forbid, knock on wood, I injure somebody or even kill somebody. But the thing is, in this case, mm-hmm. you were supposed to be using a fake car, not a oh, real not a one. Real car. Uh, yeah. Now, mm-hmm. if you want to make it realistic, for whatever reason, how yeah. is it that the real one got there and it was charged? This is an excellent point. You see? His defense was like, well, he was a producer, mm-hmm. and as a producer, you are liable for this thing that happened. But you well, know the movies the and why not? Responsible mm-hmm. for and, but the movies, they're like your producer of... I don't know, lighting, you're producing of sitting, you're producing of standing, you're producing of, of all the shot, all the stuff, but you called yourself a producer. So apparently he, he, that argument fell through because he was just a producer of creative activity, creative creativity, whatever. So just bringing on a, a like, it's, he was not in charge of this thing, but now, when they start talking to people, they all of them on the set had training for the guns. Mm-hmm. And apparently he was not paying much attention during those training and that is being Ali used. Baldwin. Yes. It's being used against him. Again. But then again. Why uh, is, is it a real one there? And not only that was real, it had the bullet. Yes, but not only that. Okay, so like if you are trained, like your company is doing something, and let's say you're okay, let's use something else. I know we're talking about a bullet, like a fake gun was replaced with a real gun or whatever. Mm. But let's say, for example, you are trained to carry out a task that is important. Okay, 
let's say you are trained to, I don't know, clean the ice cream machine. Mm -hmm. And you're trained that every month or every day or whatever you have to do, you have to clean this ice cream machine because Mm -hmm. if it doesn't get clean, it gets nasty and people get sick. Mm -hmm. You don't pay attention in the training. You half-ass clean the machine. Mm -hmm. And then people do get sick. Mm Mm-hmm. Isn't the company also at fault? Now, I'm not trying not to blame Alec Baldwin. You know, mm-hmm. me, if he's if he guilty, guilty. I'm just trying to say that I, there's chains of guilt here. There are layers of guilt. Mm-hmm. And I don't necessarily think it's just him. And I'm it, not necessarily mm-hmm. his fan. I just don't think it's just him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. Because, like, it, he, because why did they let the him only- handle the gun if they saw him half-assed pa- participating in the training? But he wasn't like they were not shooting like they were like uh, practicing. Yeah, reading but lines, he whatever. wasn't paying attention as a quality person myself. You do the training. You had to make somebody sign and say, "I do the training," and I completely understand mm-hmm. what I was taught, and I am now going to take that responsibility and act on it. Mm-hmm. Right, mm-hmm. and this now has now kind of excuse excuse the company of liability mm-hmm. because we made sure that you were effectively trained. Yeah. You understand? So knowing that we made sure that you were effectively trained, if you went out there and you fucked up, it can't be like, oh, you didn't provide adequate training. Because what I'm imagining right now is that the production company, like the actual, um, you know, like Paramount or whatever, whatever house it mm-hmm. is, is trying to protect themselves. So now they're trying to divorce themselves from him. Like, oh, we gave him well, I training think and somebody we else didn't. could get, get yeah. not only him. Oh, not only him. Yes. I thought it was just him. Yeah, no, no. Okay. Somebody else. But, but, you know, I know half of the news. Another mm-hmm. thing is that in the news, they, they go like, okay, this is not the first time somebody has gotten killed on a set. Mm-hmm. Right? It's the it's not the first time it has been this public, but now the fact that he was the one that pulled the trigger, even though he continuously said I didn't even pull the trigger, mm. they said these people are just going for blood. But on the other hand, if you are the family of that lady that lost her life, wouldn't you go in for blood? A hundred percent. I was going for everybody. Regardless of who I want everybody paid. Of who he was. Yeah, of course. So the thing is like everybody is like, I, I'm I feel very sad. I don't know. I feel that yes, he was negligent to not pay attention. But you not be knowing like if I hold a gun, I and and you're around these fake ones and I don't know if all of them I don't know enough to be like well, the fake ones are as heavy as a real one mm-hmm. just to make it real mm-hmm. or whatever. I don't know how much <laughs> of a fold, you know? Mm-hmm. And by somebody, if somebody's not around guns, but yes, you did get like a three hours training, training you and you are not paying attention, yeah, yeah, yeah. this could easily happen, um, you know? So I don't know. It. I am interested it's, to it's see sad. what happens in that. And yeah. I'm interested to see what happens in the Idaho case. Have you been paying attention with the four students who got killed in the house? No. You haven't? Mm-mm. In this situation, this is also very mainstream. Lots of people are talking about it. There were these four students and they were in Idaho. And they were found dead. Like, it's not just um, 
I don't think it was four of them in the house. I think it was like six of them in the house and four of them died. And so it has so many questions like how this person getting kill people, people didn't know. And they were like, who's this? Who, who did this? Who did this? They're looking at everybody, looking at everybody. And then it turns out from my understanding, the girl, um, one of the girls, one of the victims, I think she was going to sell a car or something like that to this guy. Turns out the guy was like a criminology or some kind of major that involves crime, like a good bit away at another university. And he, I guess, overconfident in his abilities, um, he kind of stalked them and then he followed them to the house and he let himself in and he went upstairs. He killed two of them, a guy and a girl. And then he went downstairs and he killed two of them. And and one of the girls heard the thudding. So she looked out the window. She was like, maybe somebody took the, um, was outside or doing something. Mm-hmm. And then... She went back in her bed and she had the third again, so she got up. When she opened the door, he passed right by. Mm. Right? And so she, like, I don't think she made eye contact with him or anything. Like, when she opened the door, he was already walking out the door. So you can imagine being that person and, like... They stayed alive. Yeah, yeah. That's still alive in this situation. And so they ended up catching him. They arrested him. And I guess they may have had their sights on him for a while because of what how he was following them and whatever, whatever. I don't know all the details of the case, but it's also very popular right now. Mm. And for like four people, four very young people, like early 20s Ugh. to get killed like that is very sad, you know? Real mess. But as horrible as the world is, there's sometimes some very positive things. Um, the snoring is Bonnie for the yeah. Rest. The snoring that you're hearing in the background is Bonnie. There's nothing we can or will do about it. <laughs> uh, so that's not a positive thing. <laughs> I struggle. <laughs> We're in February already. January just passed. Yeah, that's true. We are in February already. Mm-hmm. I feel this is the first year I ever feel because it's December, January. And then it's still January. Like, it's... <laughs> no, no, no. I feel like this. Oh, happy birthday. Did you blow the candle? October, November, December. That's January. Feel? Yeah. January. 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 I'm January. always surprised January. when my birthday comes. January. I'm always January. like, oh, shit, it's April. January. Yeah, January lasts a really January. long time. Like, it's like, fuck. And like, yeah. Somebody's be like three weeks, five weeks later, and you're like, it's still January. Yeah, it's like, what the fuck? But you know what? It's harder. And like back home, where they get paid once a month at the end of the month, <laughs> January is the longest. And mm. when you get paid once a mm-hmm. month, as somebody who used to get paid once a month, I went home the other day and I was like, no, never again. <laughs> because like at first it was hard for me to adjust to getting because paid in the middle of the month. December. Yeah, you spend you all your money. You spend all yes. their money. So to wait until the end <sighs> of January. Some people get paid early. Some companies are nice enough to pay you early because February is a short month. Mm. So they're like, okay, we'll bring you up and then you'll get paid at the end of February and you'll be back on track. Mm. But still. No. So yeah, 2024 is the first year that I ever felt. This is 2023. Hi, son of a bitch. (laughs) Where are you? (laughs) In the future. (laughs) In the future. 
Yes, Susanna, let's get into it. I want to hear your case about red flags. Okay, you said red, it's a short one. Red flags. Yeah, this is short and fuckery. You good? Yes, I'm just trying to get my life by yawning. I should probably also tell the public I'm now on a sugar-free diet, so I can't be blamed for anything I see or do. Anything. I cannot blame because I had all the sugar, mm-hmm. and I thought we were in February 2024. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. So I don't know. <laughs> we passed... All the months, Susanna, all the way to February for the trinies, for the trinies, Susanna had her first kiss cake. So I brought to Canada a chocolate kiss cake, the one with the icing, of course. I brought the strawberry um, kiss cake. I personally like the strawberry kiss cake and I gave her the chocolate one for her girls. So we were going to share the strawberry kiss cake and then, what did I say? Did I say I gave you the strawberry kiss cake or did I say I gave you the chocolate? Chocolate. Okay, good. Because now, you know, I don't know what I say. So I said, (laughs) (laughs) we were supposed to share it. And then I went on a sugar-free diet because I was advised by the medical professionals that I should try. So here I am, and then I noticed the damn kiss cake expiring February 10th. I didn't even know these things expired. You know, they've been so such a staple of my childhood. Uh To me, they just last forever. Uh But it kind of makes sense that it will expire. They have cream and stuff in it. Anyway. I gave it to Susanna because I'm not having sugar for the whole of February, which means I could not participate in consumption of my I thought this was cake. just like a two-week two situation. You committed for the whole week, month? Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. I'm trying to see how I feel. I know. Don't you feel like cloud? Like, like if my mind is cloud? Yeah. Um, no. I feel preoccupied with thinking about food. Like, my brain, like, if you still have TikTok space, that's gone. Like, all my space is, like, like food. I, yeah, mm-hmm. I used to have space for thoughts, like, you know, I should go have a shower. Maybe I should go like the, take the, a walk or have The Black gym. China, bl- Boom Boom China, Oh, uh, yeah, the song. song. I used to have mm-hmm. this song, yeah. A Black China was Kylie Boom Boom. No, wait, no. <laughs> You see, gone. It's gone. That's no, what sugar does to you. The pump, pump song. That's gone. I have no space. All the space is now wall to wall. What am I eating? And does it have any sugar in it? <laughs> Trying to trick the system. Yeah, because I had some apples today. I had two apples today. I, normally, I just have one apple. For the day. Today, I had two apples. And I had some caramelized carrots, which I think might have been a cheat. Because the carrots, you know, they're a little sweet. So that was it. And it's really hard to go cold fucking turkey on the sugars. But I feel like if I will feel better for it after, I just have to remember that. Sure. Sure. I support you. you I shall eat all the things that are about to expire. (laughs) Right now, I would literally... Literally slap Susanna in her face for a kiss cake. <laughs> I would. I would I mean me? it. I, will give it I to don't you. mean it though. <laughs> like, I, I will would, give it to if you. somebody said to me, "Shut up." <laughs> who, the fu- who the motherfucker is that going to slap you? If you're gonna slap me, better be for for money, good money. Kiss cake. That was a good, good kiss cake. Money. That was also a good kiss cake that was though. Good. It's tasty. And so Susanna ate a lot of my favorite things tonight. She had <laughs> roti. 
Uh-huh. She had these French cookies that I share with nobody, but Susanna did me a huge solid today, and she really helped me out by rubbing my feet. And <laughs> then she had the kiss cake. Those are like three favorites of mine, and she ate them. And I'm proud to say I smelled that bus up shut and didn't eat even one piece. Vanessa, if you're listening to this, I'm talking to you. Anyway, anyway let's get into your case. Okay. Mm-hmm. And you... And her family migrated to the U.S. from Pakistan when she was early teenage. There's a lot of information, very little dates. So bear with me. Okay. When she was 17 years old, she had already met uh, a man a few years older than her. His name, Randolph Coughlin. Andrew parents were very strict this is funny when they said oh they were very strict like it's the expectation on every fucking parent when you're a fucking 17 or a teenager okay the the parents found out that Anjun was dating Randall and they said ah, no dating this motherfucker too old for you and a few years, but still, like I understand. Not time for you today. Like this is not this is not the time. This is time to study. This is time to you know. But you know what? What does a normal teen a normal teenager not Chanel a normal teenager would do? No. This Run is the love of this, my life. Yes, never be with this that man. No matter what. Love of my life. Mm. To the point that they were hiding. And a year later, they got married. Secretly married? Secretly married. But she would have been 18 now. She would have been 18, mm. right? Mm-hmm. So they got secretly, secretly married, and they tried to put on Selena. You know what Selena, Selena got married, and then the father, oh, yeah, you're my son, da 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 mm-hmm. So they went and told the parents, and the parents said, oh, you want to be a married woman? You're on your own. Mm. And they banned her mm-hmm. from her family. Our stories are kind of similar. Right? Mm-hmm. So so they banned her from her family. And then she had nobody. Right? She's just... She husband. She's still a teenager. Oh, she has she husband. But she had now the men of her dreams. Which I don't know how many dreams would you have at 17. But trust me, if any 17... 15 or any in are listening to us keep going <laughs> keep looking keep trying so very quickly and i'm telling you like, like you know that you we always said oh you you get to know a person when you you know interact with them when you do day-to-day stuff when you marry them but you know as much as a person mm-hmm. want allows you to know right but this motherfucker, within the week, he turned the tables. First week of marriage, he said, I need you to convert to Christianity. He waited till they get married to say that? All right, okay. But he okay. forced this woman to, to convert. And she was Hindu. Mm. Mm. So what did she do? Comply. He started getting controlling. He will control every single the where she going, what she doing, what she having, what she everything, finances, you name it, he control. Mm-hmm. And on top of all the controlling thing, on top of that, she had to give up her religion religion to convert to his religion. 
right? He started having anger outburst, which is fancy for you just a cunt. Mm-hmm. You would think that she would start planning her exit. Mm-hmm. But as we all are at that age, we're easily manipulated. Now she feels like she's on her own. She has to be true to her marriage and why not. And her exit just got postponed. Mm-hmm. Let's just say she just focused on complying to whatever fuckery this other guy will put on, on in front of her. To the point that after 10 years of marriage, the couple welcome now their babies. They have twin girls, Tiffany and Brittany. So she she thought, and June thought, okay, now this will distract him. Mm -hmm. To his luck, now he has three girls to control. Oh, so instead of like it keeps him busy, it's like okay, like like now Now he's gonna like yeah, he's gonna (laughs) now I just I have a team. I'm just gonna control these three bitches. Mm. After 28 years of marriage, Angie said, the fuck no. I can't keep on doing this anymore. She made it 28 years? 28 fucking years. The point is that 28 years later, she said, I'm out of here. I'm done. You and I are done. Whatever. And she moved out. But he stayed and the girls stayed with him. Once this happened... Randall still was trying to just fuck up with her because, you know, you have to do what I said. So, you know, he stayed with the, with the girls. Okay. Yeah. Teenagers. Okay. But he wouldn't let her, he wouldn't let Anjun talk to them frequently. Okay. All right. So he just, he will interest, he controlling everything. Okay. So he will, he won't allow like regular chats. No, it's like a, like a, how are you, whatever, yes, no, necessary chat. Okay. By February 2017, Randall started mixing alcohol and antidepressants. Awesome. He bought a gun and on February 9th, Randall and Andrew were at the same place. I'm very unsure because no fucking source says... Was it her house? Was it his house? Whatever. The point is that they got into an argument. Police was called. Mm -hmm. But get this. Because nothing physical happened. Mm -hmm. And they were still married. No divorce was legal, like signed and why Mm -hmm. not. The police just left. And they just put a report. They put like a report and out you go. Anyways, month happened and Randall approached this woman again. He said, why don't we meet up? So they meet up and he's like begging for forgiveness. Mm -hmm. He's like, I'll I'll do better, whatever. Let's, Let's give it a try. We don't have to be living like this and why not? To what she responded, I want a divorce. Right? And he was pissed. Devastated. Pissed. He left mad, whatever, you bitch. I'm gone. Next day comes. In the morning, Randall texted 
Anjun and said, I'm going to kill myself. Hmm. <laughs> I don't know how many times he had said that to her, but that didn't. She was unfazed. Yeah. Okay. Afternoon comes. He texts her again. I'm going to kill myself. I have secrets too, you know. I'm going to kill myself. Uh, please come and talk to me. Oh, please this and please that. So he was so convincing that Onion said, okay, let me see what this motherfucker wants. And she goes to the condo. When she gets to the condo and she gets by the kitchen, she finds Randall with the gun on his hand. And she started looking like, what the fuck is happening? Because well, he said he was gonna kill himself. Because because she's like, what the fuck? What the fuck? What the fuck is happening? And she the first the first thought was, that's a fake gun because mm-hmm. you know. No, I don't know. The man was threatening and he was crazy. So yeah, yeah, but probably gun- he did it before. Like you cannot compute these things, right? All right. And then the second thought was, my kids. So mm-hmm. when he read, which her mind was, she said they're dead. They're already dead. Oh, my God. Uh-huh. They're already dead. He goes, move the hand, move her his hand, mm-hmm. points at her, like her face, points at her, and he said, I want you to leave and suffer like I did. Hmm. Lower his hand, shoots her across the leg, the one bullet goes across her two thighs. Oh, wow. Uh-huh. And, yeah, the bullet tore through both thighs. She falls, and he takes off. He takes off to to the bathroom. Mm-hmm. Right? At this point, as he's taking off, she's calling the 911. With bullets in both legs? Yeah. Okay, okay. But I think, I think, uh, but you're going to hear. Mm-hmm. I heard the, the 911 call. Okay. Horrible. So she keeps on screaming and screaming and screaming when she was asked. She didn't see the children herself. Yeah. Oh, she did? Yeah. She oh, kept yeah. on saying, my kids are dead. Oh, they're dead. They're dead. They're dead. But I don't think she could compute what was happening. It's like, come and help them. I think they're dead. And then, oh my God, they're dead. Mm-hmm. And why not? And when they ask, are you hurt? I'm bleeding. I don't know where it's coming. I think he got me on the legs. Like, she was functional. Mm -hmm. You know? But disoriented. Uh Mm Uh-huh. As she's on all this, he's in the bathroom calling 911. When he called 911, he said, I just killed my two girls. (laughs) I'm going to kill myself. And he did. And he did. So he didn't kill her. He didn't kill her. Remember, he wanted her to, to suffer. suffer. <laughs> His point wasn't was never to kill her. He just decided to like injure her by shooting her in the leg. Yeah, mm. like I want wow. you to. I want you to suffer. So, police arrive. They see her. Like they she's frantic. She already seen the kids and why not? They rapidly take her to the uh, local hospital. And they found Randall face down, 
in the bath, but the bath was filled of water. So he's like, I'm going to trip myself, but just in case. I'm going to drown. Uh, uh, <laughs> so I'm double killing myself. So after all this happened, during the investigation, Anjun found out that back in 2016, Randall applied for what it called fire firearm owners identification. Okay. And that's for the state of Illinois requested for any um, resident to apply to buy uh-huh. uh, a gun. Mm-hmm. But he only purchased it on February 27th. During all her grief and why not, she's she's now dedicated to fighting the laws, the gun laws in the U.S. Good luck. Now, all her angle is not, all guns are bad. She said, it's just, you have to make it harder for people to get these guns. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, it's not gum. I mean, if people want a gun, they'll probably get a gun no matter what, huh? but... Make like it if harder. Try to do it the legal way. Yeah. Make it harder. Like make make it harder. Have to go through some kind of evaluation or mm-hmm. something like mm-hmm. that. Huh. Yeah, but her whole her whole angle is just make it harder for this motherfucker to like nobody questioned anything. Mm-hmm. Nobody asked for like a background check, mm-hmm. like a psychology check, or whatever. So she's just trying to get guns off of this type of people what do you think isn't it horrible it is horrible because i thought he was just gonna kill her which is not nice but i was, was like okay mm-hmm. i was prepared for that but like I was prepared he ruined her like in every single possible way like you took her juice you took almost 30 years of her life mm? then he goes i keep the girls i'm gonna take them from you and I'm not even going to be like, I'm going to kill them. I killed you and I killed myself. You know what I mean? Like, we're all gone. No. I just want you to just suffer. Hmm. Isn't that wicked? I, I just, I, I got so pissed when I, I, I found this case. You keep acting like, okay, it was about her and about her. And so I thought, well, how they kill them? Did you say it? Yeah. Ch- no, I didn't say it. it um. Uh, chopped to their head. Oh, one so on like the couch. Asleep. One was on the couch, mm-hmm. and the other one was watching YouTube videos on her bed. Horrible. That is horrible. Wake up, Jenna. I'm awake, but it is horrible. It is horrible. You have said horrible four times I'm already. I'm trying to find other ways. Mm-hmm. The words are gone, but it is in fact horrible, Susanna. What do you want me to say? This child get killed and not shooting her head while she watching YouTube. This could be anybody just watching YouTube. You know, minding her business, not a part of her parents' drama at all. Two child. Yeah, both of them. Mm-hmm. So I just think that that's crazy. Go on with your case, Jenna. I'm thinking. You are half asleep. No, but I'm thinking. You get always get so mad, but I, I slow down. I feel like a snail in peanut butter. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Okay. Anyway. You want um, some sugar? <laughs> but this is why I'm having a hard time. If I could, I just eat a little kiss cake. I'm sure I would feel fine. <laughs> you know, you were focused on the fact that he He's wanted such a to. He wanted to hurt her. 
pay attention to how bad he wanted to hit it to the mm-hmm. point where he could have ended it for him long before mm-hmm. going today. Yeah. But just so he didn't miss the look on her face. When he realized he had to say it, yeah. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Alright. Um but my case is called collateral. Collateral. Mm-hmm. As is an old time case. Mm-hmm. Back in the day one. Back in the day. And you will never believe it. Okay. Okay. And I had no idea it had so much involved, or else I would have never done it. <laughs> I was trying to find something <laughs> short. Okay. The date is September 9th, 1949. Oh, wow. Yes. And it is a day that Canadians, if they're old enough to remember, will never forget. Hmm. It was the day of one of the worst plane crashes in Canadian history. I hate flying, so you could only imagine what I thought reading this and what those people went through when all of this happened. Is this like the the one on Chile that they ate their... No, this uh. is not like... I think that movie was called Alive. It's a movie. Uh, no, it's a real thing. That yes, really happened. Yes, I know. But the plane crashed and they mm-hmm. had to eat each other. Mm-hmm. But no, I think the name of the movie was Alive. Oh, this is not okay. that. Anyway, takeoffs for some reason always fill me with anxiety. I don't know what it is, but landings don't bother me as much. Maybe because we're so close to the ground that even if you fuck it up, we probably will make it. You know? <laughs> but when you're like, hi, hi, this is not the time for you to fuck around, you know? So takeoffs just make my stomach like, like sink. Like, okay, yeah. shit, we're going. We're really going. And then, and then the plane goes, we're really going. It's like up until the, yeah, up until the moment the plane does the, the angle and it's going up. I don't believe we're really going up. Just like, <laughs> you know, because there's so much goes into air travel now. You have to get to the airport. You have to pack the bag. You have to, to get to the airport. You have to pack your bag. You have to be in the airport for hours before. Yeah, it's just so long. That by the time you finally sit in the plane, it's like, shit. Ugh. Yes. And I already there. Exactly. So, but takeoffs would be my reminder that no, you have to pay a price to get there, which is, you know? Anyway, so in my opinion, they have too many variables in play when they're taking off, and I feel like my stomach does honestly drop. I think that we should normalize emotional support alcohol on planes. Yeah. Because you have emotional support pets. Well, you can have some emotional support. Yeah. This is my two cents. Anyway, on this day at around 10.25 a.m., flight 108, which was on a DC-3, which is this old-timey propeller airline uh, or aircraft, left. And forgive me, people, all of this shit happened around Quebec. So it have a bunch of fucking French names, and I don't speak French. So you get what you get, right? <laughs> so it left Anne Lorette, the airport in Quebec, uh-huh. with its final destination set as Seven Islands Fishing Village, which is supposed to be 300 miles from Quebec. That's its final destination. Okay. On board were 19 passengers, yes, in the whole plane, including three small children and a cabin crew of four. So the little mat, that's totaling. 23 people. But this is a small plane. Yeah, this yeah. is not like a... Mm, because it's a little propeller plane. 
from what I understand, this flight kind of operated like an air taxi. Oh, okay, so I know that planes are in general air taxis, taking you from one to the other. But th- this is but in this a true like, sense. No, this we go is like here, a small, we pick like up a small situation. Go, uh, oh my up, God, I have okay. gone through those. <laughs> so I think in today's world, planes have a destination, and of course, all of them. Are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and of course, they or they still have they have layovers mm-hmm. where they may pick up people. So you'll have a final destination, I'm trying to say, mm-hmm. with possible layovers in the middle. But nothing like back then, when they would literally stop, refuel, and just keep going. The same plane. So, you that, know, they what, do that now. Yeah, no, but what happens, though, is that you might end up on a different airline. You know, when you, mm-hmm. when you have a connecting, because all of these airlines are not working together, you'll be on a Delta, and then you go on, on a JetBlue, whatever, mm-hmm. whatever, right? And so there's a lot of getting off the plane may go to somewhere else i don't know but he said what i'm saying is just this one plane so we'll literally fly this route you know like our taxi or our bus will be like young street at the top to young street at the end yeah. this is the plane okay we have the stops we stop 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 we come back mm-hmm. anyway i'm just trying to explain frequency and i don't think i'm doing a good job anyway so the next stop along the way was about 220 miles away to Bai Como. Who would have thought Quebec Bai was Como. so big that they had to fly it? They had to fly within Quebec. It's Canada. Everything Canada is massive. I thought Ontario was one of the biggest. It's Canada. Okay. Plus, who yeah. knows what the map was looking like back in 1949? Might it be using a big yeah. chunk of Ontario, maybe. Oh, that's why the Quebec was. Are yes. Upset. Anyway, so the plane mm. had. Another stop along its way to its final destination. So every time, imagine like if the person was going to the last stop, you take off, up, go down. back again. Yeah. Take off, yeah. up, yeah. Take off, go, <laughs> yes. drive. Yes. Motherfuckers. Anyway, so uh, they were trying to go to the next stop, which is the Bai Como, where several of the passengers intended to get off. Mm-hmm. Now it should be noted, as pointed out in the New York Times, and I want to stop here to say, the majority of this came from an article from the New York Times, so I will be citing that. Um, that sometimes the plane would make us stop between Quebec and by Cuomo, right? <laughs> and, but this wasn't always a mandatory mm. stop. They called it like a flag stop or something like that. I don't know if it was like a few refueling mm-hmm. situation, but um, that place that was between the two was called Forestville. But that wasn't always a requirement, and like, like I said. And on mm-hmm. this day, the pilot, Captain Pierre Loren, a veteran flyer who was expecting a baby, was advised by radio communication not to make that intermediate stop. So okay. they're going straight for the Como place. Just go. They wouldn't have made it to the stop anyway, because mere minutes later, at around 10.45, the plane violently exploded in midair, raining debris on the land below. The sound was so enormous it could be heard up to 40 miles away. Of course, people looked up to the sky to see where the noise is and saw white smoke billowing from the plane as it made a sharp turn and suddenly dipped, crashing into the side of a hill. There were no survivors. No. Everybody, of course, had one lingering question. What made it crash? Mm-hmm. With a Mon- well, explosion. Well, yeah. With a Montreal <laughs> reporter... A Montreal reporter quoted as referring to the pilot and saying, the man who can best answer is among the dead. 
because think it was the pilot, pilot yeah. not pilot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This was back in the day, but news travel fast and in no time at all. Phone calls were going out to family members of the victims and condolences and inquiring about survival. Mm-hmm. With condolences, sorry, and inquiring about survival. One such query went to Albert Guy, who was whose twenty-nine-year-old wife was on the plane because she only went on the trip to pick up some jewelry and watches for her husband, who was merely a jewelry salesman. When asked about the day's events, Albert said, quote, the last thing between us was a kiss. Confused and overwhelmed by the sudden death of his wife, Albert couldn't believe it, and he went with his daughter to the ticket office in Chateau Fontenac and asked for confirmation that his wife's plane had crashed. And once confirmed, Albert was so distraught he began to sob and moan uncontrollably to the point that officials summoned a priest to comfort him. Investigators rushed to the scene to determine the cause of the crash. They were quickly able to determine that the source of the explosion was not the plane's own gasoline or fuel supply, mm. since the gasoline was found in the tanks, indicating that the gasoline had not caught on fire. Mm-hmm. This made the investigators wonder if something on the plane ignited, like maybe a battery or fire extinguishers, but the traces of debris around the site indicated that it was unlikely either were the cause of the fire. The most alarming thing to note was that upon arrival at the crash site, first responders noted a very distinct smell. A smell that reminded them of dynamite, which even back then wasn't allowed as cargo unless approved in rare circumstances. And they confirmed for sure that no dynamite authorization was issued for Flight 108. Okay. It was obvious the explosion happened in the forward bagging section known as Compartment 1, located on the left side of the aircraft. The force of the explosion was so intense that the seat closest to this compartment was found a quarter of a mile away from the plane crash, Mm. indicating it was shot through the air. The only good news for investigators was the fact that the luggage had been emptied and refilled at Quebec. So they know that whatever's on the plane right now was loaded on in Quebec. Because I don't think that Quebec was the first originating Uh spot. Uh Because this is a plane taxi. So it's coming from somewhere else. Okay. Different stops, yeah. Yeah. So they sat upon reviewing the airline's cargo manifest, indicating that eight pieces of passenger hand luggage were stored in that location where the explosion mm-hmm. happened. One contained automobile parts, the other lingerie, and so on and so on. But one 25-pound package of unspecified contents identified and raised brows. A baggage clerk question in the aftermath said that the parcel was brought by a dark-haired woman in her 40s who arrived right before the plane was scheduled to take off. Okay. So she's come right before the plane's going to go and she's like, I have this package. The investigators questioned whether the target of the incident were these three high-profile American executives on board. But they struggled to find any plausible motive, although it wasn't impossible that they had enemies because they were fancy execs. While the courts were busy absolving Canada's Pacific Airlines of responsibility Mm -hmm. by identifying the explosion as one of, quote, undetermined origin, the investigators went to the only lead they had, the taxi driver who said it had a woman. Remember the woman who came? This taxi driver identified as a man named Paul-Henri Pelletier, was okay with helping them out. Like, they contacted him, and he was like, yes, I'm happy to cooperate. Yeah, let's do this. Uh-huh. So, Mr. Taxi Driver, because his name is long, I can't pronounce it all the time, <laughs> would be very useful, as he remembered the passenger clearly, as a dark-haired woman with a heavy parcel labeled 
fragile and was able to tell investigators that she was local too because she asked to be dropped off at the chateau, mm -hmm. not the chateau Frontenac as tourists normally we'll say. call it yeah investigators knew they wanted something and asked the driver to hang around outside of the passenger's apartment where she was picked up to get an id like identify mm -hmm. her when hours passed they instructed the driver to knock on the door and claim someone else called for a taxi but the woman didn't answer and instead the person who opened the door confirmed that nobody called for a cab Lots happened between the initial sting and when the authorities finally caught up with their lady. But essentially, the same taxi driver who was asked to participate in luring the unknown woman out of her house also was fame-hungry and contacted an old reporter friend who completely bust files that the police were on the trail of a suspect. So, we see what happened there. They went to the taxi man, they told the taxi man, hey, we're trying to catch this woman. The woman, they're very close to catching the woman. He taxi can't hold it. Taxi man was like, let me go tell somebody so I can get well, a check. he's already spilling yeah. the beans right. with the, the police. From here, the woman in question, under stress of being captured, attempted suicide oh. by consumption of sleeping pills. The police were... Thanks, Bunny. <laughs> That's perfect timing because I was just talking about sleeping pills. The police were patient, though, because they waited for her to get discharged, and then on September the 23rd, upon her return home, then that's when they questioned her, because, you know, they the time. Her. Heal yourself from your attempted suicide. Mm -hmm. She didn't last a day, and she started singing like a canary. The woman, <laughs> identified as Mrs. Marguerite Petier, mm. described as, and I quote, a dark complexion, dark hair, broad-faced, dumpy woman with a caustic tongue, always willing to do someone a favor. Right? I guess it ended on a nice note. <laughs> said that she had taken the package, Marguerite. She mm. said she'd take the package to the airport as a favor to a friend who told her that the package was a statue. Lie. The Liar. Police, the police weren't buying it. And they booked her on charges. And while she was stewing in jail, went to get the so-called friend with the statue to make it make sense. Mm -hmm. right, the police go on to get him. When the investigators checked the manifest, they saw that the unclassified luggage was listed under the name of someone who was not a passenger. A Mr. Alfred Plouffe. The thing is, is that Alfred didn't exist. And oh. upon further digging, it was determined that Marguerite was not friends with the invisible Alfred. But she was close friends with Albert Guy. Okay. And that was the man who they hauled to jail on suspicion of mass murder. You know, Albert, the one who was crying about his wife? Oh, Lord. She was good friends with him. The investigators needed a motive, and they definitely got one and then some. They planted a snitch in the jail with Alfred, and they get all the tea. Because Alfred apparently tells We'll be snitch. talking this shit. Apparently, Marguerite had a brother named jean Roux Rousse, who I will continue to call G. Mm -hmm. Okay. Who... <laughs> needed cash and he needed it quick because one of his lady friends had informed him that she was expected right oh. so he needed money yeah i can see so he was the one any year kits are expensive yes. he, so he was the mm -hmm. one who made the mechanism for the bomb for albert but when they questioned g admitted that he did make the machine for albert but he didn't know that that's what it was going to be used for because apparently people just make bombs for different things yeah just to have it there at home the investigator set out to prove that a package of dynamite could be rigged into a bomb and a chemistry professor of his, who was a friend of his, 
with Laval University was also able to definitively show that an alarm clock batteries, fuse, and other easy to access equipment could very well make a dynamite bomb. Mm-hmm. But could they prove that Albert and friends even had the bomb? They don't have that ability to prove that. Well, it seems they could because a search of a dusty shelf yielded a tiny piece of cardboard with copper, lead, and aluminum on it in the exact proportions as the elements of copper wire used in detonators. So now they were able to determine means, but what about motive? Why the hell did Albert do this? I know. Let me hear. Albert and what's her name, Margarita? Marguerite. Uh Mm Uh-huh. We're we're having an effort. Okay. Mm -hmm. Margarita said, drop that bitch. Mm -hmm. He's like, well, you have to help me. Okay, okay. This is close. You're close. Comes the bomb. You're yeah. close. You're close. Oh, really? So, <laughs> so, like I said, we're trying to figure out why he do it. The answer mm-hmm. to the question why lay with a young woman named Marie Ange Robitaille. Described as, quote, this article was not very kind. <laughs> Tall, lanky, well-built, not very bright girl with a pleasant voice. I Jet do. black hair, plucked eyebrows, a turned up lows. And dark eyes that looked like she didn't get enough sleep. <laughs> this is how they describe what a motherfucker. She was drumroll, Albert's teenage mistress. And it seems this whole plot, the elaborate dynamite bomb, and the deaths her... of 20 plus people, it was... was entirely orchestrated so that Albert could get rid of his wife to be with a young child lover. Wow. Mm-hmm. It seems that after meeting in the summer of 47, so a whole two years before the wife get killer, Albert met Marie Ange, who was our waitress at the time, and they hit it off. So like I point out, 47 is two years before the wife got killed in the plane crash. Since she was a mature 17 at the time of their meeting, they concocted a story that Albert was actually a man named Roger Angers, a young bachelor. All the while, Marie Ange knew he was married with a child, but went along with the story to appease her parents. He gave her a ring and all, but to be fair, he also sold jewelry, so you know, that wasn't really special. <laughs> and by all accounts, was planning a future with her. The only fly in the ointment, Albert's real wife, who found out about Marie Ange from neighborhood gossip, mm. did the only thing she could think to do, and she went to her sister wife's parents' house. And told them all about the husband and the daughter. Mm-hmm. So Marie Ange's parents kicked her out. So Albert called up his old friend Marguerite to take care of Ooh. his now homeless mistress. Yeah, so Marie Ange people kick out. Albert was like, okay, I have a wife, but I have a girl. And now she don't have nowhere to live. So I'm going to call up my friend Marguerite and see if she will she take just her Just bring in. her here. Yes, which, of course, Marguerite did do for a while until, you know, she got her place and he started to pay rent for it. But this wasn't a typical side piece romance. This was toxicity personified. For example, Marie-Ange decided she was going to leave and go back to her parents. But when she tried to leave on a train, Albert caught her, made her go back to the apartment with him. And then the next day, he bite on her face to make her stay inside due to shame. And cashed out the unused ticket. You know, the train ticket. Their relationship was more of this drama. It had a ton. It had a ton to read. Just more bullshit. 
Most of the time, it was all that drama. Then when Albert made up his mind that the only way to be happy when this was over would be to off his wife, he got inspiration from a tragedy. He did not come up with this plan on his own. Apparently, on May 7, 1949, mm-hmm. same year, a Philippine Airlines blew up. Uh, the plane blew up oh. and fell in the sea. Mm-hmm. And Albert was motivated to make the same thing happen. <laughs> But Albert failed because his flight take off late. Mm. So instead of the bomb going off while the plane was across the a lake or river, mm. it went off where they were still over land. Mm-hmm. And um, with the flight taking off late, like I said, and being over land and not in the river as predictive, it allowed the recovery of evidence that sealed Albert's the fate. whole thing. That uh-huh. he was hoping would have never been recovered because, <laughs> because like, uh-huh. things like, like how they knew the gasoline wasn't the cause mm-hmm. because they could see the gasoline. If it went in the lake, there was no way for them to determine that the gasoline or whatever, mm-hmm. you know? So that's how they got all that evidence. Albert trial started in 1950 and he did not testify in his defense. But Marie Ange took the stand and let the world know she did not love him anymore. Of course. She She doesn't know nothing about nothing. But what she knows for sure is she don't love him anymore. Right? And that seemed to hurt Albert more than any jury could. Imagine you kill a plane full of people for a woman who don't even want you. Mm-hmm. A plane for like you was going for one person. You said I might as well. You kill everybody on the plane, and then we do it for you want you. Would have been the perfect plan if the plane would have taken off at the time they were supposed to. It would have been a perfect plan. Yeah. Because then you know it would have scattered yeah. over the lake. But this is all a prediction. Like he didn't know. He was just thinking. Okay, it takes about 10 minutes by plane for them to reach, like, over the water. So I set my little timer for 10 minutes or whatever he did, you know? Yeah. Anyway, he was convicted on March 14, 1950 and sentenced to hang. Albert decided not to appeal for, quote, reasons known only to myself. <laughs> Everybody knows a bitch. Marguerite <laughs> and her brother G turned over evidence against him. But Albert took the time to make sure everyone knew G made the bomb prior to his execution. He's like, I'm going down, but I want you to know G do this, right? <laughs> he wrote a long-ass letter saying as much. And on January 3rd, 1951, G was found guilty. And, like, that was all that Albert was holding on for because nine days later he was hanged. Margaret was also convicted of murder, and although she and G appealed... Those appeals were denied, and they were both hanged in 1952. I love these rules. You love what? Hang them. Kill them. What did you think of that case? I love it. I thought it was good. It's sad that it's at 1, 5, 10, 16, 2 o'clock, whatever time in the morning. And we're struggling. But I thought it was very interesting. Very good. Because, like, one minute I'm like, okay, I'm reading this story. I'm like, okay, it's on a plane crash. Like, that's kind of intense. Da, 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 da. And I was like, shit, wait. He just tried to get to his wife. And then so I read other things where he offered people money to, like, kill the wife. And Jesus. So it's not a case where he... He, he was trying. Yes, yes. He yes. was trying. Good. Yeah. Awesome. I'm this falling is asleep us. on myself. Coming from 
4.30 in the morning recording. I'm very sleepy. Um, what's the time? Late. It's 4.45, Susanna. Mm-hmm. You have to message Ryan and tell him that you're alive. And that you're okay. Yeah. Are you okay? Do you I'm need okay. coffee? No. You don't want a little sipsy? No. A little thing. A little shot. I'm good. You sure? Yeah. Well, anyway, I really like how Marie Ange dis, um, disowned him in the end. But still, she he, participated on killing this woman. Well, she didn't really. Because she didn't know. But she couldn't. Oh, yeah. It's Marguerite uh, to help him. Because Marguerite helped stash Marie Ange. And Marguerite went and dropped off the package. True. Mm-hmm. True. She's the one who starts singing like a canary. <laughs> she had her package labeled fragile. And she's the one who went. Because he asked her to do the flavor, favor. Which means she bring down the plane. I'm very happy you're hanged. All of you. All of them. Oh, all of them. the three of them? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And Marie Ange, they gave a little ditty about what she's doing now, you know. I think she opened, like, some kind of cafe. Not what she's doing now, but what she did in her life. Mm-hmm. I think she she went on to open, like, a cafe or something. But, yes, I don't know what happened to his daughter. Because now the mother yeah. died. Now he went to jail. Sure. Yeah, but I wouldn't, like, imagine she had to leave. Like, he, she had to see him going... I'm going to have to care for this. You are falling asleep. I am. But what were you going to say? I'm listening. You are not. I am. I'm up now. <laughs> say what you're going to say so we can put it in the episode. But imagine that she sti- like, still have like a leaving parent. Do you Who's know what that? I mean? The, the daughter. Right, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I know this motherfucker's still alive. Yeah, but the, he wasn't expecting to get caught. The debris Nobody. was supposed to fall well, in the lake or the yeah. river or whatever. Well, it's the and pilot's I, oh, fault. The, the crash site is still there. You oh, can yeah? go see it, which I think is very no. macabre. I wouldn't do that. Mm-mm. But it's still there, though, if That's you were creepy. interested. It is no, creepy. thank you. It's there. It's there. Yeah. I think it no. would have I think it would have cost or taken more time and effort and cost to, to take move it, it yeah. 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 I get it. I get it. Anyhow, we're going to go to sleep. Yes, we're very, very At five tired. five fucking o'clock in the morning. But this is how much we care about we y'all. We are here. We are back. We're struggling, but we're back. Why are you singing this song? That's how you're talking. That's not how I'm talking. Yeah. Wake up! Anyways. Why are you yelling at we me? We know nothing. Wait. Go to the sources link on our Instagram at Criminally Clueless or on our website at criminallyclueless.com to get the real tea. I think you said that wrong. Follow us wherever you listen to podcasts and feel free to leave us a like or review so we can dominate those regions. Hey! <laughs> we might be clueless. Jesus Christ. But that's not a crime. <laughs> Oh my god. I'm very tired. Susanna, I appreciate Chanel. you because you stayed up just so Jesus. we could do this and it's my fault we're late and I'm very glad and I'm thanking you. Guys, thank you very much. We're happy to be here. See you all for the rest of the season, whatever season it is. <laughs>